Welcome to God's Favourite Shepherds, a collection of 39 short stories rounding out the lives of mainly lesser-known Bible characters, with many of the stories ending with a short quiz. Listen now to the author of God's Favourite Shepherds, Bill Ackland. The story I have for you today is entitled Gehazi, A Privilege Lost. And this is based on 2 Kings 4 and 5. My fingers and toes are but stubs now. I sense that the day of my death is not far away. Perhaps the part of my punishment I feel the most is seeing my children and their children suffer as I have since that fateful day many years ago when Naaman of Syria came to seek a cure for his leprosy from my master, Elisha the prophet. Naaman was cured, but his leprosy was given to me on that dreadful day when I coveted Naaman's gifts and lied to the prophet. I was raised in a small town in the tribal territory of Ephraim. My father was a Levite, and my parents had high hopes that I would follow in his steps filling the same role at the temple in Jerusalem where my father had been a gatekeeper all his adult life. My parents had discussed with me that as an apprenticeship for my Levitical destiny, it would be a wonderful thing for me if the prophet Elisha would accept me as his servant. This would involve doing many of the mundane duties around his home, going on assignments for him, caring for his donkeys and many other duties. It would also involve cooperating with Elisha in his role as God's prophet. Work such as this would be an honour for any young man, giving me an insight into Elisha's life and prophetic ministry. It would prepare me for the role God had purposed for all the adult males of the tribe of Levi. As Elisha agreed to take me as his servant, I commenced my service for him with a keen sense of anticipation. I had heard from my parents that the prophet's role was very different from the lives of other men in Israel and Judah. On the one hand, the Lord might charge him to fulfill a particular commission for his people. On the other hand, people might come to him seeking God's will in their lives. God also performed miracles for his people through the prophets It was this aspect of Elisha's work that I was involved in when I had been with him for only a short time. A kind woman and her husband in the town of Shunem frequently invited Elisha to eat with them as he passed by their home. One day the woman suggested to her husband that it would be a good thing to build a room for the prophet on the roof of their house so that he could stay there overnight or to rest for shorter periods. On one visit, Elisha asked me to inquire of the Shunammite woman if there was something he could do for her to show her he appreciated her kindness. Perhaps I could speak to the king for you, he said, or even to the commander of the army. When I spoke to her, she said that she was quite happy to stay where she was, as many of her relatives and friends lived nearby. Elisha then asked me if I had a suggestion. The only thing I could think of was that this couple had no children and her husband was now an old man. Tell her to come to my room, Elisha said. 
When she came to the doorway, Elisha gave her the surprising news that she would have a baby boy this time next year. Torn between her desire for a son and the apparent impossibility that this could happen, the woman told my master not to mock her. True to Elisha's word, she gave birth to a son at the exact time he had foretold. When the boy was still a toddler, he ran out into the field one day where his father's reapers were gathering in the new season's grain. The day was hot, too hot for the child. He succumbed from the heat, and no matter what his mother did, he died at noon that day. Even though she was distraught, the mother remained calm and asked her husband if he could spare one of the young men to saddle two donkeys and go with her to visit the prophet. Though he was mystified why she would want to go on such a mission, he agreed. She was soon on her way. While she was still some distance away from Elisha's home, Elisha saw her and he asked me to run to meet her to see what the problem was. Of course, I did not delay, but the woman wanted to speak to Elisha, so she waved me away and continued on her way until she came face to face with Elisha. Immediately she collapsed at the prophet's feet. I thought this was an annoyance to the prophet and was about to push her away when Elisha stopped me, saying that she was obviously in great grief. This was confirmed, for the woman referred to her son and that she had said to Elisha not to deceive her when he had said she would have a son. Elisha realised the boy must have died, so he charged me to take his staff and go as quickly as I could to place the staff gently on the boy's face. Unfortunately, the boy did not respond, so I ran back to where Elisha and the woman were on their way to her house and told him that there had been no change in the boy's condition. Soon we were at the Shunammite woman's house where Elisha followed a ritual that only a prophet would know. To the utter joy of the mother, the boy was brought back to life again and was in perfect health. Elisha had commanded me to tell the mother she had a boy back again, as she was not present when the prophet was involved in raising the boy from death to life. It was experiences like this that were the high points of my time of service for the prophet. However, these highlights in my life were not to last, for on that fateful day when Naaman and his entourage came to Elisha, I succumbed to the promptings of my lower nature and brought upon myself a fate worse than death. When Naaman was healed of his leprosy in God's own wonderful way, the desire to have some of the riches Naaman had brought with him as gifts for the prophet overpowered me. I concocted a story that I knew was an outright lie and was given two sets of clothes and two talents of silver. When I arrived back at the prophet's house, I was confronted by my master to whom God revealed that I had coveted the gifts and then lied to cover up my wickedness. It was then that I heard those dreadful words that were to change my life forever. Naaman's leprosy shall be upon you and on your descendants down through all your generations. My parents and my hopes and visions for a future in God's service were shattered in a second, 
and I went away from Elisha's service as though I, I had been a leper all my life. Years later, I saw the Shunammite woman again. She and her family had escaped from a famine in Israel and had lived in Philistia for seven years. When they returned to Shunem, she found another family had taken over their property. Seeing this as a violation of their inheritance rights, the woman appealed to the king, who sought verification of her story from me. The king knew that I had been Elisha's servant some years before and realised I could not alter a falsehood on this occasion. I gladly verified that the land in question was indeed the property of the Shunammite woman and her husband. It was little enough that I could do, but nothing was to reverse the sentence of the living death that was rightly placed upon me. It had been a privilege to serve the Lord's prophet all those years ago, a privilege, but a privilege lost. You've been listening to God's Favoured Shepherds, a book with 39 short stories rounding out the lives of mainly lesser-known Bible characters. If you have any comments or questions, or to obtain a copy of this book, give us a call within Australia on 02-4973-3456 or send an email to radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you. 